The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. Working from home during this global pandemic has brought a lot of changes for us. Some of them have been unsettling. For some individuals, one change includes how to prepare for the arrival of a brand new baby. On today's show, we're going to be interviewing Derek Barrett, who's a staff member and he's expecting his first child at the end of this month. We're going to dive into how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected him and his partner, as well as their preparation to become new parents. My name is Toral Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. And you are listening to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Before we begin today's show, we want to acknowledge that this interview was done approximately three days after the deadly interaction between George Floyd and three police officers from the Minneapolis Police Department. We recognize that this incident has left a tremendous impact on our Cornell community, especially for our Black staff and faculty members. At DIWD, we have been working tirelessly to provide support and resources by partnering with the Department of Organizational Development and Effectiveness and Professor Joseph Margulies, Professor of Law and Government in the College of Arts and Sciences, to host a series of programs centered on specifically anti-racism. For more information on these programs, please visit diversity.cornell.edu and click on Anti-Racism Resources under the Community tab at the top of the page. I also want to introduce to you all a special weekly series that will be featured on this podcast called Blackness at Cornell that will begin on July 1st, 2020. That means that you won't really be hearing much from me or Toral after today's show, because each week you'll hear a new story, a new voice, with the purpose of elevating the very real and lived experiences of our Black staff and faculty here at Cornell. To all of our Black staff and faculty members that are listening right now, we would like to extend a personal invitation to share your story through this upcoming series. For more information or questions on how to do so, please email us at ie-academy at cornell.edu. Derek, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Why don't you share with our listeners, before we start our conversation, a little bit more about yourself, where you work, how long you've been at Cornell, as well as the pronouns that you use. So my name is Derek Barrett. I was born and raised in Ithaca, New York. I am the oldest of six kids. My father is David Barrett. My mother is Allison Barrett. (laughs) Shout out mom and dad. And I recently started a new role as a department business administrator in the College of Agricultural Life Science Department of Microbiology, working with faculty, staff, and students. Prior to that, I was a BA, a business analyst in Cal's IT. And before that, I was a finance specialist in the Office of Finance Administration in Cal's as well. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his. Congratulations on the new role. That's awesome. Thank you. So we are going to be um, asking our question of the day. So today's question, we're going to relate it to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. 
And so how has your life been impacted by the virus? And in, in that, what I mean is specifically, what do you do now that maybe you have never done before the virus hit? Mm. What am I doing now? One of the things that's different around this time period is, you know, usually my wife, my, my in-laws or, my, or some type of family, we're getting together and we're trying to plan for a trip. And usually it's a big family trip, you know, somewhere where we haven't been, something beautiful. We're getting to the summer. I'm from Ithaca, so I need to get away from cold and just nasty, right? And usually it's nice to get to a beach somewhere, but obviously with the baby coming in June, you know, the uncertainty as to whether or not we're going to be able to go traveling anytime soon, we're focusing now on, on more of the stuff around us that we have available, you know, and I'll tell you, I, uh, for the first or second time, actually, since living at this house, I fertilized my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> And I took care of fertilizing wow. it, and I and I kind of uh, set it up so the front section of our we have, our, our front lawn is kind of split up because of our driveway. So I fertilized the left side of the of the driveway to see how good of a job I did compared to the right side, <laughs> just to test it all out. And and I guess I'm getting more into the lawn care, and I've always loved being outside and, and caring for my lawn, but trying to get a little bit more specialized in that. <laughs> I know for me, um, I've, I've just been going outside more and exploring nature and I've been, I've gone to Taganic already. I really find myself just going out, exploring more of the area coming from a big city. I think, and I can speak about this now that it's been about a year since I've lived here in Ithaca, but it was, it was really hard adjusting to Ithaca coming from big cities like Miami, Chicago, and I find myself now really appreciating nature a lot more and really appreciating the time to be able to meditate. That's something that's a practice I've currently tried to implement a little bit more of while working from home and as a result of COVID. So being able to do that in a space like Taganic was was actually really spiritually moving for me. I actually broke down and cried and just thought a lot about many different things while being in that space of Taganic. So I find myself just being more in tune with nature and really be more in tune with myself and my spirituality specifically. Yeah, and for me, um, I'm actually in a way grateful um, because without the virus allowing me to work from home right now, I wouldn't be in Dallas, Texas, helping my mom recover from a, a major health scare that she's had. So my mom just spent about two months in the hospital and I've been here the entire time spending the nights in the hospital with her and now that she's home helping her at home a little bit. And I'm grateful that because also schools are closed, my kids are not closed. I mean, physically, kids are not able to go into the building. My kids are here with me because otherwise what I would have had to do is leave them in New York while I come here to help my mom. So in a way, like I said, there there's some positive things that have come out because I also probably wouldn't have been able to stay as long as I have been able to stay. And I'm still working from here. And I think I'm I'm just very thankful for that. So I'm trying to put a positive spin <laughs> on all of this, but uh, I am thankful that I'm able to stay here um, and help my mom as much as I have been. So that's probably one thing that I wouldn't have been able to do or for as lengthy of a time that I had been able to do it had this virus not impacted us as a whole. So, Derek, we are here to talk about parenting during the coronavirus. And so as we know that it's been a challenge for many of us who have children or who are expecting children, what has been some of the unique challenges for you as a result of the virus? 
Yeah, I, I, I would say um, what stuck out the most to me during this whole period and trying to, you know, during pregnancy uh, was my wife not being able to have a baby shower. You know, with the baby shower comes a ton of gifts, comes a ton of family love and appreciation, family and friends, really, and um, support. And we kind of had it. We, we missed out on that opportunity. You know, it, we were planning to have a baby shower in May, um, obviously, with everything uh, happening in COVID-19. We had to kind of shift things around and take a different approach to that. And luckily, um, we had my sister-in-law, uh, Justina, amazing individual, um, working with my wife, putting together a nice cohesive letter, a message to our family and friends who wanted to be a part of our baby shower, let everybody know what the plans were after the fact and when we have a chance to get back together. And, um, you know, also put in there a little opportunity for people to send us gifts if, uh, if, if they were willing and able to. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. That is an important part of pregnancy and and this moment. I have a couple of friends who are also expecting at this time, and we held a virtual baby shower for them. But again, you know, it was an hour virtually via Zoom, and it's not the same. So I completely understand, you know, how you and your and your partner have been impacted by that. Oh yeah, yeah. We um we actually sat through another friend of ours who's having a a baby around the same time as us, actually. I mean, we're, we're due June 27th and they're due like June 24th or 25th or something like that. And, um, they had a ba a virtual baby shower and really were creative about how they put it together. We're thoughtful mm -hmm. about the interaction, the games that they were going to have, um, their friends and family participate in. I wasn't able to attend because I was doing some work around the house, but my wife sat through it and, um, really had some fun experience with that. And, we tried to think about potentially having a virtual shower, but we weren't sure we were going to get the same experience out of it that we wanted. And we both have really busy lives right now with not even just COVID stuff, but trying to transition and get ready for our departure or time away from work. So we just figured we'll do a sip and see afterwards or something and going with the flow. <laughs> yeah, Derek, I appreciate that you mentioned that in terms of the time away from work. Could you talk a little bit more about kind of what that preparation has been like and how that may just, you know, really impact you personally, professionally, even as you're preparing to become a parent yourself? Mm. Well, I will, I will say that um, personally, as I try to transition for work and prepare people for it, you know, early in this year, I was having conversations with my chair, with our faculty, with my staff, just so that they knew that this was going to be the case. You know, I was going to be away for some period of time. And even then, I wasn't sure how long it was going to be. But now as we're getting closer to the date, I mean, we're like four weeks away from this baby coming and who knows that could come sooner. I'm uh, having to put together a more detailed plan about what types of activities need to continue while I'm away, what deadlines are coming up. Um, so I'm working with uh, my staff on that, working with the chair on that, trying to get that all put together. But I'll tell you what, Anthony, because of COVID-19, because of just this delay or, or, or postponement of all this work and having to focus our attentions on um, leaving campus, coming back to campus, whether or not we can be on campus and things like that. I really haven't had much time to put into it. And um, luckily, though, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by a really good support group in the um, departments around me and my friends, people that I just work and talk with about work. And I, I feel confident now that I have a plan that would work. But 
it was really a, a point of lack of a better word, stress for me for a little while. So mm. what kinds of considerations did you have to put into it um, that were different from when you were planning before the virus hit us? Well, um, honestly, I haven't made many adjustments. My plan was very bare bones at first. You know, I was trying to think, how can we create an opportunity for somebody that um, would gain an experience for them, possibly a gig or something, so that if they were trying to uh, apply for a similar position in the future, they could use this as part of their resume. I will say right now that because I kind of didn't have a plan in place or or a concrete plan, I was able to be a little bit more flexible about what types of tasks I could give to somebody else. The bigger things that I'm trying to get a handle on were access, you know, to technologies, um, making sure that people had the appropriate authority to do the task so that others that they would need to work with would um, work with them. And some of it as well as just getting a sense of a solid idea of what the deadlines are. I mean, with COVID-19, postponing a lot of things like capital assets or space inventories or just different year-end things, I had to wait until these deadlines came in before I uh, were able to tell people, this is when that particular project would need to be done by or whatever the details would be at that point because people had to change their plans as well. So I had to, I had to wait until they made their adjustments so I could make mine. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Flexibility is key, especially in this time period, because we just don't know, right. With all the changes that are happening, you know, what could come up tomorrow or next week, but hopefully things will be working out for the better in the long run. So it has definitely become much more of a common practice for parents who are expecting to create a birthing plan. I don't know this myself as a parent, but I consulted with some expert parents who have, have done this before or know of things like a, a birthing plan. And so for you in particular, have you and your partner thought about this? And if so, you know, how has that birthing plan been impacted by the coronavirus and COVID-19? Mm, mm. I think uh, as an interesting question, you know, as a, as a kid, you kind of start to draft the birthing plan in your head, right? When you talk, when you're playing, you know, house or whatever you were when you were a child. Uh, at least I did. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I talked about what it was like to have the kid coming and all that. I guess basically what I'm trying to get at here is as a kid, I was the oldest of six. So I had five other kids after me where I was able to experience or see part of that birthing process, that plan that my parents had put in place. And I really enjoyed that piece. You know, I, I loved going to the hospital, even something as simple as smelling the floor, the, the, the maternity ward, the, the birthing floor was something that I remembered. And growing up thinking about what that experience was going to be like me uh, being a father, I wanted to continue that. And part of the birthing plan, I guess it spans pre-birth to labor to after birth. I was like, we want to have all our family in the, bir- in the, in the labor, or not all of them, but you know, the, the, the matriarchs, the, the mothers, the, the sisters that we want to experience this with, um, we want to have them in there. And I've also heard other people's stories, people passing out. So I'm like, maybe I need backup to catch me in case I fall, right? But it, it wasn't until recently that we were told I was actually going to be allowed in the room. And for a while, when all of this kind of happened with um, COVID-19, I, um, I was a little worried that I was going to miss out, you know, on, on the baby's birth. And, and, I, and st- to this day, I still don't know yet. I mean, I, th- I would assume that they have to do testing, test me at least and see if I'm positive or not. And then if I'm not, hopefully I'm allowed in the room. But um 
we've had to be really flexible. I mean, I, I almost want to say, Anthony, that we've had to throw everything out of the window in terms of what we previously thought our plan was going to be and just be willing and flexible and um, nimble enough to adjust if the doctors say, Mr. Barrett, you have to do this instead of doing that. And just being honest with the fact that we're not going to get out of this what we were looking to get out of it. But at the end of the day, my baby, I'm praying, will still be here and and with us and I'll be able to experience life after that, you know, with them. So that's so powerful too, because I also then think about, you know, what what if, for example, you know, worst case scenario, I mean, would be like if you got coronavirus or your partner got coronavirus for whatever reason, but then how that might shift even that experience for you as a parent. Like that's that's really powerful, you know? And so so I really appreciate you sharing that. That just just gave me so much, you know, insight of like like wow. Like this yeah. is a really it's a really unique time period that we're in and how this is just not only affecting parents, but pe- parents that are going to be soon to be right. parents and just so many aspects of, I guess, what we, I think, previous to this pandemic kind of took for granted in many ways. Right. Right. I definitely agree with you. And even what I was just mentioning, I, I didn't even scratch the surface in terms of the things that we've had to think about and to consider. I mean, you know, I'm not even the one that's going to be in labor. Right. You know, it's my wife who has to deal with the situation. Um, and and push her her body to limits that we haven't even thought about pushing her to yet, and um, you know God bless her. She's amazing. She's she's doing amazing with all of this. I just want to give her a quick shout out. She's a champ. But it sounds like too, you know, she might even have to wear a mask during labor. And like, you know, we're walking through the store trying to wear a mask, and I'm like, this is annoying. You know, like it just it gets hot. You know, it gets nasty. It's uncomfortable. But you have to obviously wear it, right? And if she's having to wear a mask while she's trying to breathe and push this baby out, I can only imagine the need or the feeling she'll want to just pull that thing off and be like, I'm done with this. I'm just going to have the baby. <laughs> right. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. It is. And Derek, what about once the baby gets here? Are there things that have changed in terms of how you've thought about, you know, like you having to wear masks around your own baby so that you don't pass anything off in case you do have something where you're asymptomatic or anything. Have those changed any for you? You know, Toro, I think um, I haven't even really thought, <laughs> you raised a really good point and I haven't even really had a chance to think about that, right? What happens if I'm asymptomatic? Will I have to wear a mask all the time? Will I have to quarantine myself? Ah, oh, man, this is, uh, you hit me with a lot right there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> What we have thought about, though, is is other people's connection or socially distancing from others around us that we would normally want to be around, right, with the baby. Obviously, because the baby is um, new to this new world of germs in any normal situation, we would have to keep the baby kind of isolated until they were a little more healthy or, or um, a little more able to sustain the things that they would be exposed to. But now I've seen videos of people, you know, showing their babies to grandparents, to loved ones through screen doors, through windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me, it, it, it sucks, you know, to, to just put it simply. It really is frustrating because, um, you know, as much as I have this unconditional love and appreciation for this new life that we're bringing into this world, and while I may have an opportunity to be around and be with the baby, there are other people that are feeling this same feeling the same unconditional love grandparents cousins aunts uncles that you know won't be able to experience that as much as i will just because we're planning to be cautious with it you know we want 
people to be patient with us. You know, we're trying to figure this new thing out and we don't know. I mean, you brought up a couple of things now and my mind just going in circles trying to figure out what could the possibilities be? Could I potentially be isolated from the rest of my family? Will I have to live in my basement and <laughs> never see the light of day for, for two weeks or something? I don't know. I'm glad you guys are bringing this up and talking about all of this. I mean, in, in some way, I tried to prepare myself for all of this and, and think that I have a plan in place. But, you know, what I've really started to realize with myself is sometimes I don't know at all. You know, I don't know enough. And I and um, it's important for me to know what I don't know so that I can ask somebody else and, and, and figure it out. And I think it's a real possibility that. I could be in a situation where I, I'm set up in the garage and not here. And I haven't even thought about that, right? And we have to now plan for that if that were going to be the case. And what's the turnaround time look like? And I didn't mention this before, but the baby's only, I think Jessica and the baby, Jessica's my wife, will only be in the hospital for a, a day, I think. I uh -huh. believe the current procedures are saying a day. Um, so we have to turn around preparation really quick. And luckily, we've got most of our stuff set up, but it's that thinking, that planning that you had just described that we'd have to get ready um, if I were to have to live in the basement or the garage for a little while. Wow. So, I mean, so much to consider. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's amazing for, for folks like you, for people who are about to be parents, as well as for parents right now who are just, you know, every day, a new challenge, new flexibility, new things to adapt to in this environment. So, you know, transitioning over, you know, you talked a little bit about how families and how your family in particular is going to, you know, support you. How has particularly your support system been during this time period? And so has the virus affected particularly the people that you would lean on to support your newborn um, during this particular time and any considerations around that as well? Yeah, um, our support system has been impacted by this. Um, thinking about it, I'm like, I'm getting a little emotional, sorry. No, please take your time, take your time. We've had some people that have had to... Uh, do furloughs, take some a little bit of time away from work and not necessarily sure whether or not they're going to get back to work and be in the places that they were before. Um, so the support that they would have either provided with um, structure, some type of infrastructure for the baby, if it was a crib, if it was wipes, if it was diapers, um, a lot of that wasn't there in some cases, or we weren't sure if it was going to be there. But I'll tell you what, it definitely takes a village, and that village showed up for us in many big ways throughout. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. They've shown up in really big ways for us. Like I was telling you before, you know, before all this happened, I had a chance with my father-in-law to, uh, whew, sorry. I apologize. This is, I did not think I was going to No, 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 this. please, please take all the time you need, and, you know, thank, thank you for this vulnerability and for for sharing this space with us to share your story. Oh, thank you. I mean, you guys got me there, man. Y'all are good. You guys are good. Um, I had an opportunity with my father-in-law to uh, work on our, on our nursery. And um, it went through a whole transition. I mean, it was an office space that had really, it was not even really an office space. There was no way you could work at the, at the desk. It was like filled with just junk. It was a catch-all because it was our new, our new house and we were still trying to get ready, organized and all that. I had a chance to clean everything out paint the room with my father-in-law. That was a, an amazing experience. This was prior to COVID-19. And then uh, shortly after, we were kind of informed that, hey, we got a social distance. You know, you can't just come over to somebody's house and do the things you thought you could do. So, you know, Jessica and I did everything we could to uh, 
put the house together, um, put the baby's room together. We weren't sure if we were going to have the baby shower. Then we weren't going to have the baby shower. Like I said, my sister-in-law showed out and she put together. Oof. Sorry, y'all. She put together this amazing invitation that was, it, it informed everybody about what we we're going to do. Like I said earlier about where to shop if you were going to get gifts and to let people know that, whew, that um, afterwards we were hopefully going to do a sip and see, a sip and see after the baby was born. So Jessica and I were talking about all this stuff and, um, you know, we were like, we don't want to be a burden on people. You know, we don't want them to feel as though they have to buy us gifts to make us feel good or appreciated. And obviously we're talking about people that may not have jobs, may not have the money that they need or trying to plan for a long period of time of not having work. And um, we didn't want to be those people. But at the same time, we we were fielding a lot of requests to open it up so that people could support us. You know, everybody's like, I want to babysit the, the baby. I want to give you this gift and that. Well, after all this work that my sister-in-law did, that my wife did, and after a couple weeks of waiting and figuring out what Target and all these other companies were able to do with sending online gifts, um, thank you, online shopping, we started just packages, packages, packages start, oh, start showing up at a front door. And um, I'll tell you what, man, people are amazing. During a really tough time, People showed up and supported us in more ways than one. And I can't thank them enough. You know, we had um, aunts, uh, a frontline worker um, who was a, a paramedic, make some time out of her day. Sorry. A paramedic come and drop off a gift on her time, um, wrapped it all up all nice and, and had plastic in there so it wasn't, you know, getting touched by too many people or whatever. Stopped at the door, saw Jessica's belly. Oh, man. And then it was like, you know, they're gone. He couldn't go outside and say thank you. But can but, I just say hey. something, Derek, here, that that having this amazing support system also speaks to you and Jessica's personalities and the fact that you're a support for all of them in return. So it's not it's not a one sided, you know, that I'm sure there's been many plenty of time where the two of you have stepped up and shown your support for others. And, and this is the reason why they're all stepping up now. Thank you, Toro. I mean, that, yeah, you're 100 percent right. People have been great. Um, we've tried to do what we can in the past for others, but it's amazing what what everybody's been doing so far to just come back together and. And try to keep that social interaction, even though we're being socially distant, keeping that social interaction, that social support that people need during times like this to get through, man. I mean, it's been it's been a blessing. So can I ask you the opposite question of that? So how has this virus impacted your ability to support others? Hmm. You know, I, lo I love helping people. You know, my job as a, as a department manager requires me to, to be support for a lot of people throughout our, our microbiology community and in our mm -hmm. Cal's community and our Cornell community and in some ways Ithaca as well. I try to make myself available, you know, even when it's, it comes to the sacrifice of my, my wife sometimes, um, I'm not able to spend as much time with her and she understands that and she gets it and she provides me with the time to get out there and do that. But 
because of the fact that we're socially distancing, because of the fact that I don't want to compromise somebody else's immune immune system, I don't want to be compromised and I don't want to put ourselves in a risky situation, I'm not able to just jump up and, and go do the things that I would like to do. Um, whether it's going into the building and fixing a piece of equipment or working with our facilities coordinator to address a piece of equipment, I'm not able to do that like I would like. One of the tougher things that as... um. I take part of, you know, trying to support our community. I'm not able to just, it's not as easy to just talk face to face about something and work through the problem. You know, we have this extra barrier of uh, virtual, you know, togetherness and connectivity that we have to get through. And for some, it's easy. For some, it's not. And, you know, we just have to work through those situations and figure it out. But because we have those, that barrier, it makes it even much harder to get a person's message across. And um, I've been struggling with this for a while now. And, you know, each day you find little things to, to help you um, get through it and to, and to be open and honest with yourself. Anthony, I, I want to give you a shout out to and thank you for the, the, the messages you've been sending. I can't exactly remember the name of those messages right now, but they're like a weekly, uh, daily the thing. weekly connections. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and just as a, as a note for that, for our listeners, um, so for all of the CNGs, actually, Toro has been a part of this. Our whole entire department has been a part of sending weekly messages to all of the CNGs. So the men of color, women of color, veterans, disabilities, as well as the LGBTQ CNG. So that's actually a department effort that we put on and we sent it to all of the CNGs on a weekly basis. And the CNGs, for those that don't know, are colleague network groups. Thank you. You know, I, I appreciate y'all sending those out. They have come at the perfect time when I'm down and out and, and need a word of encouragement, just to be honest and truthful with myself and know that I can't, I'm not Superman and I'm human and I go through different emotions and feelings and to be real with those emotions and feelings when they come. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that means, I think that means a lot for, for us. We talk about when we get emails from our respective CNGs that we work with of people who are like, oh, this came at a right time. This is so great. And so, you know, it uplifts us as much as I think it uplifts you all as CNG members that people are taking this message and that people are resonating with it because that's that's really what it's there to do to remind folks and take that pause and whatever part of the day that they're reading the message just to say like, hey, you know, we're here for you. We, you know, we want to share you some words of encouragement, positivity, empowerment to be able to to get through some of these challenges that we've already talked about that are unexpected as well as things that we you know hear about in the news and the media so thank you thank you for the shout out to us and the department (laughs) transitioning a little bit into you know brief and we've talked a lot about personally how the coronavirus has impacted you as an expecting parent but I think it's also important to talk about what's happening nationally internationally especially around things like bias and how this pandemic has impacted uh, many marginalized communities in particular. And so given just kind of everything that's being spread in the media, as well as understanding the impact and the public health implications of, particularly for marginalized communities, how have you grasped with what's going on and how it might affect your ability to become a parent or just ability to parent as a whole? Mm, mm. I'll start off by saying, um, for me, grasping it and trying to understand it all, it's knowing what I don't know, you know. Social media has, has allowed us all to get a better perspective on what others are going through and, and what's happening. And for me, I tend to think of myself living in like this small town that is not really connected with other things, but it really is very connected, you know. 
Ithaca, 10 square miles, I think they say, surrounded by reality in some cases. But I'll get back to knowing what I don't know and, and, and seeking knowledge from others and, 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 and their perspective. Um, you know, before this, I would like to say that I was a very caring and understanding individual that, you know, looked at others and, and tried to put myself in their shoes. But now I, I don't know, you know, and I, and I try to keep my eyes open now. You know, I try to listen and hear and just take the information in. I have been blessed to be a part of some amazing meetings in the Men of Color Colleague Network group. People have come in there with their perspectives and have shown me um, or given me a better idea of what's going on out there. And, and I'll tell you what, man, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And if I'm thinking that and, I'm, and my first reaction is to get up and do something about it, I'm hoping that as a country, as a world, that we, we all see the same and, and, and act upon that. And help those who are less fortunate or more impacted by this coronavirus. I mean, it's it's a mess. So, Derek, I always like to say when I do my seminars, when I talk to people about practicing allyship, I always like to talk about the allyship piece and the word allyship and really focusing on the action rather than what it means to be an ally. Because in order to be an ally, you have to accompany it with actions. So I always like to say and ask people, particularly for folks who are expecting to be parents, are parents currently, you know, how are, or what are some ways rather that people can really practice allyship for folks like me who are single, I don't have anybody who is expecting to become a parent or have a child, but how folks like myself really showcase allyship during this time for expecting parents? Well, I would say um, patience, you know, show patience and empathy. It's interesting. It's a really good question, Anthony, and I'm kind of struggling a little bit with how to answer, but I will just say that for myself and my wife, you know, we're going through a life-changing situation right here. You know, as, as much as um, we're bringing a new, a new one into this world, um, the world itself is also going through a lot of change, you know, and we're trying to change and adapt with that and figure things out and um, almost, you know, we're all going into new uncharted territory. Um, so I would just say at first, you know, it's patience with people. You know, we we want to connect. We want to talk. We want to we want to learn. We want to understand each other and, and share, you know, new things and have a drink or go to a movie or have dinner with each other. But for people that are, you know, in my situation where we're bringing a new baby into the world, we're still just trying to digest this current, you know, situation, this current baby. Right. And and understand, like, how, how can we be better parents? How can we protect them? You know, as much as um, this baby is going to be a blessing, it's also scary. You know, I can, uh, it's going to be a challenge for me. It's going to be a challenge for my wife. I know that. And a, a challenge on many different levels, not just taking care of the baby, but um, figuring out how to interact with our family, how to interact with our friends and, and those those friends that may not have kids, um, I, I feel at first they may not understand, you know, why we aren't able to go out or why we aren't able to do a certain thing with them or why we've kind of cut ourselves off socially, right? Why aren't you posting as much on Facebook? Why aren't you putting anything on Instagram or whatever you're using to showcase your story? You know, why aren't you calling me, right? Or why aren't you Zooming me? Why aren't you FaceTiming? We're trying to figure this thing out and it's a lot to comprehend try to wrap my head around i would say that before COVID 19 and now i'd say that even 10 times or 100 times more because of COVID 19 
we don't know what the impacts are going to be to this baby. So patience, empathy, care. I was going to say um, allyship, and you said action, right? It's, it's, it's not just words, it's action. So, you know, sometime when we all get normal and things are okay, if you want to take my kid for a week um, and, and you show me you can take care of them, let's do it. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> lend a helping hand. <laughs> I don't know if I could practice or showcase allyship in that manner, but <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm messing with you. But you know, family, family and friends, um, you know, ones that are close that you're close to, and you feel like you can do that with, and probably would help. You know, with people that are need a little break, a little time away. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. You will have a hard time letting your child go for an entire week. <laughs> oh man, I know, mm-hmm. I know. My, Says my the expert is... parent, <laughs> right? <laughs> So I think our listeners know, Derek, that I have 11-year-old twins. And so that is, it's a a different challenge, you know, with having older children as well. So Wow. Toro. Yes. How would you answer that question then? When when you were having your twins, what was it like for you? Oh, see, and so for me, it's, it, it was very similar, right? Because I was also going through a change that is different from what other people go through. And that normally people would have one child and I was going to have two of them at one time. The other challenges that I had was that I was also on bed rest for three months before they were born. And so, again, similar situation. I had no baby shower because I couldn't even attend. I had to just be sleeping and nothing prepared, except I think the only thing I had was a take home outfit and their car seats because I couldn't go shopping for any of that. And then there's also some cultural variances that played in, like there's certain things that you could do at certain times in our culture. So like our baby showers are usually in the fifth month or the seventh month of pregnancy. And I went on bed rest during the fifth month. So both of them, I couldn't do anything. And so it was just, there's a lot of cultural things at play. But um, for me, I think you nailed it, to be honest. It, it's the, the patience is key because your life completely changes and you are no longer the same person you were before in terms of having like, because you're not thinking about yourself. You, everything that you, every day, every thought is all about taking care of this child. And especially as a new parent, as a first time parent, you think you don't know what you're doing. But my advice to you is, and will always be, and this is what I always tell parents, that you will always know what's best for your child. And so don't ever like doubt yourself. You will figure it out. Um, yeah. You will get a lot of advice. I would say, I don't want, you know, a lot of people say in one year, out the other, but I say, I listen to every advice that I, everybody that gave me advice, I listened to it all. And then I implemented what I thought was going to work for my child because only, you know, your child, the way you do, nobody else does. And, and not every piece of advice or not everything that worked for other children is going to work for yours. And so you say, you know what, but that doesn't mean you don't listen. You, I will listen to every advice that anybody wants to give me. And then I'll, I'll apply those that I think will work. Or I'll try everything, and then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know? And so I think, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's what you said about be- having patience is going to be huge for you because you're not going through one life-changing event. You're going through two. You're going through, you know, having a child and then dealing with this worldwide pandemic that's impacting every single human on the planet, including yourself and your partner. And so it's, it's, you're going through two life-changing events at once. And so I think patience mm. for yourself, patience for your partner – Patience for your um, support group, because like you said, they're going to want to be in and they're going to want to see the baby and you have to, you'll have to maneuver all of that as well. And so I'd say, take it easy one day at a time. Something that somebody told me, and I take this to heart every single day is that the days are going to be very, very long, but the years will go by quick. Wow. Yeah. 
So that there's no advice there. But when I really thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, my, my kids are 11 years old already. But every single day, even now, especially now that I'm homeschooling, my day is extremely long. And, it, and I always feel like it doesn't end. It continues. And the kids feel like they're on summer break. So they're like, can we not go to bed at like 11 o'clock? Why do we have to go to bed early? It's every day. Every aspect is a battle. But then I was like, you know, they, they turned 11 in March and it's already been like three months. And where did all that time go already? And so the years will go by quick, but your days will be extremely long. Wow. You know, you said something um, quick there, and I, and I did want to mention this today. You said something about everybody having advice and coming to you with that advice, right? Yeah. And at first, when we were having this baby, I was like, you know, everybody's going to come to your advice. And I believe somebody even said, you know, you just listen to it, you absorb it, you take it. But when you leave, that doesn't mean you have to use it. You know, exactly. you use what you feel would work best for you, right? And at first, I was kind of like reluctant. I was like, leave me alone. You know, I don't want to take your advice. I don't need it, right? Yep. But now that things have occurred and, and, and we're trying to get ready for what's next, I am asking all parents, any friends, family that want to talk to me about how you raised your kids and what you did and what you didn't do, let me know because I have a, a journal that I'm mm -hmm. writing all of this down in <laughs> and I'm taking every piece of uh, guidance I can get because I'm going to need it. Yep. And it's not, like I said, you might never need it, but in case you do, you'll have it written down somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's been my advice to everybody. It's like, take in all the advice because as one parent to another, it's how we feel we can help you, right? Like, hey, here's what I experienced. Let me tell you so that you don't have to go through that same experience. Maybe I make your life a little bit easier. And so it's also one way for us to relate to each other. And so I say, you know what, it's what we as humans want to do is give this advice. And I, and I tell people, I was like, take it all in and then use what you have to and what you need to and let everything else go. And, I, and that's just the best way to do it. It also allows you to bond with people yes. that you, you didn't have before. So it's a bonding moment yes, I, as well. I completely agree with that. Definitely has helped um, with making connections with friends or family that have, that have had kids before me and, and really strengthen and, and build those bonds even tighter. So. Yes, I agree with you 100%. So I think we kind of started talking about the next question that we have for you is as an expected parent, what are some words of inspiration or encouragement that you might give them for helping them get through this challenging uh, time? I, I, I say this all the time. I found myself saying this earlier in the meeting, but we will get through this. You know, we're going to get through this together. Um, and together, the reason I say together is because it takes a village um, to raise a kid. You know, and, and just imagine how many different perspectives now your child will have if you open your if you open them up to that village, how many experiences that they'll be able to gain, the knowledge that they'll be able to go and uh, absorb. Just keep your head up and, and reach out, you know, talk to people if you have questions or concerns, if you're worried. Um, me and my wife constantly have to uh, second guess something that we'll see or something that she may want to eat, but she doesn't know if she wants to eat, reach out to your doctors. I mean, they're, they're doctors for a reason. They know what they're talking about. Some cases that, you know, you want to listen to them or, and, and you have your choice, but ask somebody a question and you'll hopefully get the right answer. You know, it's a, uh, it's a big world out there. There's a lot of resources available. So I'll just end with, we'll make it through this. You will make it through this. And I'm here for you if you need anything. And I'm just going to add uh, one more piece of advice to that is to hang on to that flexibility, right? 
because the world is changing as we know it. And as you have a new child, as you're expecting a new child, as we talked about earlier, Derek, with your birthing plan completely different from what, what you started as, that things are going to change mm. daily and possibly sometimes even hourly. So just hang on to that flexibility. And I think that'll help as well. Derek, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing and being so vulnerable. I think it's probably one of the first recordings we've done where uh, somebody has broken down on the the show. But I'm completely moved and inspired and really, it really moved me to really check in with folks who are expecting. I know a lot of folks, friends, acquaintances who are expecting children, and it has totally given me a whole new insight and perspective on how I can practice allyship and be more supportive of them during this time period. So, Derek, thank you so much for for being on today's show and for just being so vulnerable. I want to acknowledge and appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you all. I mean, honestly, I want to just say thank you, Toro. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Bert, the sound engineer. You guys are amazing. I appreciate the opportunity to be on this Inclusive Excellence podcast. This is a really cool experience for me. Um, I love the shows that you guys have done. And just to be a part of it, you guys got me there. You guys got me vulnerable, man. I I was not expecting to break down and cry, but y'all did it. (laughs) That's it for this month's show. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe and submit a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. It helps new listeners find us and the show. Also, if you or a fellow colleague would like to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, please email us at ie-academy at cornell.edu. My name is Toral Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. This podcast is a production of the Department of Inclusion and Workforce Diversity in collaboration with Cornell Broadcast Studio. A special shout out and thank you to Bert Odom-Reed, our sound engineer, for making us sound wonderful each and every episode. Thanks, Thanks Bert. Bert.